Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge program. The Fatherhood Challenge is a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability of an environment and culture. We're going to encourage and challenge each other to step up and do courageous things that make our families and communities better places. So let's get to it. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always great to have you with me. I appreciate each and every one of you joining in. My guest today is Bernie Anderson. He's a church engagement lead and senior church advisor at World Vision USA. Today, we are talking about a very, very powerful subject, and it's a topic that's very, very critical because we're talking about the number one thing that in this time and this day and age is destroying fathers and destroying families. And this is why it is so important for us to talk about this right now. So I appreciate Bernie being with us to talk about this subject. So Bernie, before we get too far into this, what is your favorite dad joke? I'm just curious. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, you know, it's, it's very appropriate that as a dad, I should have a dad joke. So um, how about this? Uh, what do you call a fish that wears a bow tie? What's that? So fishticated. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Awesome. That's awesome. All right. So we're going to go ahead and dive right in because there is so much to talk about. So we're going to be talking specifically about fatherhood and pornography. Why are we even talking about this in the first place? You know, I think um, I think it's so important to have this conversation. Um, I being a father is so so critical right and there's such influence that we have over our kids and um you know especially when it comes to leading young boys um and and not to take anything away from how we influence our our daughters as well i have three daughters and um you know so it's it's so important as a father that we recognize and we understand the level of influence we have over our children and so it's absolutely appropriate that we have that we talk about this because um, I've also learned through this journey, which you're going to hear about in just a little bit, is that um, you know the cycle continues very often through a father's uh, struggle with pornography. So whether it's a, a son or a daughter, very often it's a son. They pick up the habit or even the addiction of pornography. Um, viewing, consuming, taking in pornography, often through their fathers, and um, so if we can, we can break the cycle. We can, we can, we can stop this thing from spreading and impacting future gener- future generations if we can get fathers to begin to address it in their own lives. And so, the influence that fathers have is a primary reason. And then just to break the cycle, to stop this thing from spreading like the cancer that it is from destroying uh, relationships and from, from influencing generations, uh, you know, from generation to generation, I think is uh, absolutely uh, the reason why we got to be talking about this. Well, you have a, a really powerful testimony and I have not heard all of it. So I am looking forward to hearing about it just as much as the audience is, but this is your testimony 
about how pornography became a part of your life and what you did to become free? How did you walk away from it? So how did this all happen? Yeah, yeah. So like I said, you know, I um, I stumbled across pornography. Uh, it was in a relative's home even, and it was purely accidental. I, I wasn't looking for pornography. I didn't even know what pornography was. But I was nine years old. And I stumbled across it in a relative's home. It was it was literally in a closet in a in a box, right? And and so I I go in and you know I was one of those kids that would go you know rummaging around and exploring, didn't matter where. And and I just happened upon this box. I started digging through the box, and lo and behold, here were the uh, discarded pages of a pornographic magazine. And part of the magazine was actually still intact. So. I sat there as a nine-year-old boy and began to thumb through and unfold those discarded pages of that magazine. And I, my, I mean, my, my, my world was opened and my, you know, my eyes were open and my world was open to something altogether new, something that I'd never known before. And it was captivating, right? I mean, there's, there's just, there's the, all the, all the things that, you know, you know, that, that you didn't have access to, that you couldn't see, right? There was mystery. Well, the mystery was uncovered. I'm now seeing all these things that I had never seen before in, in the flesh, even the, you know, the flesh color, glossy flesh color on the magazine pages was just, you know, completely enticing. And, and I was all in, right? And, and I didn't know what all in meant, except for this was really attractive. And I made a mental note. I didn't throw it away. I just put it back in the box and I made a mental note that, hey, I'm going to remember where this is. Shove the, that box back in there. And um, so that was my initial uh, exposure to pornography. And there would be more pornography. There would be more exposures throughout my, my, uh, you know, my early teen years, those preteen years, then the teen years and so forth. And and, uh, you know, a obviously along the way, the technology is getting better. So it's no longer just magazines. It's uh, it's VHS tapes, if you can remember back that long ago, for those who are listening. But, you know, so the technology developed. And, but, the you know, the, the long story is that um, it just continued to be this thing that emerged in my life. And after a while, as you grow older, right? is that you, you, there's a certain sort of um, hook, if you will, that it has on you or a certain, uh, uh, certain sort of um, part of you that it, that it sort of taps into. And, and that, that became the case for me. I just always sort of had it. There's curiosity. There's, you're, you're curious and you want to know. And just as an adolescent, right, you're growing into uh, sexuality and, and becoming uh, as a young adult. And so pornography is right there to sort of inform you and to, you know, sort of give you the education that perhaps you aren't getting. Because here's the thing for me, I never got like the talk, you know? Um, and so I never had any real guidance there. So whatever magazine I found, whatever book I picked up, whatever video, whatever, you know, cable TV would come on, you know, and, and have provocative uh, things on there. And so I would watch those. And, and so, yeah, that was, you know, that was the early stages. And like I said, it just sort of, 
it's all, it's not like you go looking for it and it's not like you want this necessarily. It just sort of it grabs you, right? It's not so much that that you know you get hooked on it as much as it gets hooked up into you. And um and so I would carry this thing. It was and it was a deep dark secret for me and spiritually um as a as a young growing uh you know young Christian guy, I was really struggling with a sense of shame about this because I'm I was certain that God didn't want me as a young Christian guy looking at pornography and consuming pornography. And so um I just I, I struggle with that spiritually. So I was constantly going to God saying, God, you gotta forgive me. I'm sorry. I I don't want to do this, but but here it is. Here I am back here again. And um, and that pattern of just sort of, you know, um, repenting, if you will, and, and turning away from it, but then only sort of cycle back around and, and find yourself, you know, stumbling into it again. And, and by this time, as a young adult, as an adult, you know, I'm making the decision myself now. It's not a matter of, oh, I'm curious and I found this. I am I am actively looking at it because it's I mean it's just it's enticing and it's it's gratifying if you will and it and it you know it's it's in some ways it's you know it's just a, it's it's just something that that'll that'll draw you in and there's there's you know there's the pleasure of it if you will so that's the cycle I'm just kind of caught up in and I'm just hiding it's a deep dark secret nobody else knows I'm a leader uh and and on track to become a pastor because that's that's what I felt God called me to do, and this was the deep dark secret that I carried me carried with me uh, for for many 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 years, and it all began with that initial exposure, and I can tell you right now that that um, for the you know in today's world all the studies suggest that the average age for first time exposure to pornography is a, around the age of uh, eleven. And of course, I was nine, and I tend to think that it tends to be on the younger side of that. So my guess is it's probably somewhere down the around the age of six, seven, or eight, uh, just because of the the access that we have to the internet now, and how we're constantly online, and how kids can accidentally stumble across whatever, even if they're just on their own personal iPad or phone or something like that. So, um, but that was kind of how it all started with me, and I just carried it into my adult life. And found myself as an adult, as a full-time pastor, um, you know, drifting back into the habit of looking at pornography. And, and it's a stress reliever. It was an escape from, from issues, from challenges. Uh, I'm married at this time. Um, I, I was married right out of college, and I brought this issue into my marriage. And um, my wife had no clue, of course. That wasn't something that I. Uh, shared with her during our dating years. I was just hoping and praying that it would not be an issue, that it would go away. And um, you know, that was kind of a that was kind of a, a foolish myth that I believe is that you know it would just go away, especially once you get married. And, and in my context and the way you know I uh, looked at sex and sexuality is like, hey, I'm married. I can I can have sex with my wife, and it's and it's you know it's uh, appropriate for you know because we're married and and then all of a sudden uh, you realize no you're you're drifting you're going back to the pornography so I always like to say that there's a bigger problem going on than just sex right it's not so much 
the sex. I think there's something bigger and it's, it's a soul problem. I always say it's not a sex problem. It's a soul problem. It's the unseen part of our lives where things are broken and in disarray. And all, all pornography is, is it's kind of a salve for wounds. It's a, it's a, it's, it's medication, right? Especially in, in the world in which we live today, you can find all kinds of medicines for whatever ails you. And that, and what I mean by that soul medicines, you know, not, not so much, um, uh, you know, and, and obviously we have medications for physical ailments too, but for what's going on underneath the surface, we have a lot of things to sort of anesthetize um, our, our lives. And so pornography is a major one today. We know that it's a multi-billion dollar industry globally. We know that, that even during our recent pandemic that, that people, um, that, that pornography consumption increased because people were at home and people were, uh, there, was, there was a lot of just mental distress and isolation. And that is the perfect storm uh, for porn consumption. And truth is that was the pattern that I kind of fell into as well. So um, as a pastor, uh, you you can you can spend a lot of time alone, right? And it, it can be a very isolating uh, job, and and so ministry can just be that way. And so I would find myself um, just alone and with the computer, and needing a break, needing to escape, uh, needing to not think about church members and their problems, right? And um, and all the life things that a pastor is dealing with, the same life things that a lot of people are dealing with. Um, and I chose to pursue pornography kind of as that pleasurable escape. And, and, and probably deeper than that, just to sort of medicate my own sort of personal brokenness and woundedness. And that's something I would discover later on. So what, what, really, you know, what really, really drives it? And, and what keeps us coming back or what keeps a person coming back, what kept me going back to it was really, you know, there was some personal brokenness that, that I had to walk through and find healing and, and not need. And, and, and when you heal, then you don't need to try and salve that wound or try to put something on that wound. So I had to, had to pursue a journey of, of healing. and. Um, so by God's grace and thankfully, you know, uh, everyone hits their bottom. And, and, and I say by God's grace, and, and I'm thankful for it, that I did. I kind of came to the end of my rope and I hit that place of bottom. And um, um, thank, thankfully, too, prior, just prior to kind of that bottom that I hit, my wife discovered that I had been looking at pornography. And that was like, that was a thing I did not want to have happen. Um, I, I just think. I love my I love my wife and I think so highly of her and I and I respect her and just um I never wanted to break her heart and it is heartbreaking. Um uh, without a doubt it's it's heartbreaking. Um by this time we also have kids. So I have three daughters and um by this time we have two uh and a third one on the way by the time I kind of begin to break free. But we um, we have we have kids, so I'm a father, and um, my wife discovered me, and her heart was broken, obviously, but she was um, she was determined to to stay with me and to see see me get better, 
which was which was a gift. Now that doesn't mean that her frustrations and her hurt and her pain weren't real and weren't um, even intensifying because it took me a while. Um, I was I was able to confess in that moment when she found me, and I was sorry in that moment, but I wasn't sorry enough to do the hard work to really get free. And so uh, we we struggled through a number of months. Um, before I really got on the path towards legitimate recovery and, and transformation and change. And, and that is the gift that, that, that God gave us is just um, the kind of the timing of it all. That when my wife was kind of at the end of her rope and, and had left me and had planned to leave our relationship, um, God spoke to both of us. And, um, but more more deeply to me and said, uh, you know, it's, it's time to, to move, to move away from this. This has been the story of your life for so many years. And so, um, God's, God's word to me was, uh, the way to find freedom is, is through, um, um, sharing and talking about the issue, which seems really, really, you know, not ideal if you, especially for a pastor to start talking about, their problem with pornography, right? So that was a message that I got from God. At my lowest point, God's big idea was, hey, Bernie, you should um, disclose your pornography problem, to which I'm just kind of going, really, God? Come on now. And um, But God is, God is God, and there's a reason that God knows everything and, is, um, and has great wisdom. And so that's you know, I was, I was at a point where I would do anything. And so I called up a friend and um, invited that friend to my house so that I could confess and just open up and disclose and begin to share my life a bit with another human being. No one else on the face of the planet outside of my wife knew, you know, that as a pastor, full-time ordained pastor, I was struggling with pornography. And, um, and there it was. I just confessed it to the second person on the face of the planet that now knew. And by, again, I, I received such grace and patience and wisdom from people. And, and this person embraced me. And, and this was a friend that, that embraced me and prayed for me and gave me some guidance. And that was the beginning of my journey of breaking free. Um, and that from that point on, I pursued all kinds of recovery uh, efforts and groups and, and conferences and, and intense, uh, you know, weekend intensives uh, to recover and to get better, read every book that I could. I, you know, my wife and I went into counseling and we, I mean, I was just on this path and that's been the journey ever since. Um, it's just been to pursue uh, um, sustained recovery, sustained uh, sobriety, um, because uh, it's one thing to get sober, it's another thing to stay sober. And so by God's grace, I'm thankful to this day that, that I remain, you know, sober and, and continue to do the work to, to stay sober. And um, my wife and I, our, our marriage has recovered. That's probably the biggest thing that you learn is that it's not just your own personal recovery, but it's the recovery of the people around you and, um, and the recovery of the relationship. Because the biggest thing that happens with the relationship, if you're married uh, or if you have a significant partner or significant other, you break a trust and all we have is the, the integrity of that trust, right? That's, that's what the relationship is made of. 
And if when that's broken um, and a spouse feels that sense of betrayal and loss, that takes so much time to restore. And again, over the last 15, 16, 17, I can't even remember how many years it's been, but it's taken it's taken a while to kind of get back to where we are now. And, um, um, you know, the, the thing that my, my sort of my drug of choice was internet pornography. And that's about as, that's about as far as it went was, um, I just consumed lots of internet pornography and, um, you know, there were probably moments along the way where I was tempted to act out in other ways, but I never really pursued that. It was just an escalation in, consumption. It wasn't even an escalation in explicity, I would say. I didn't look for anything more explicit or more, um, you know, just uglier, nastier stuff. It was just kind of this, uh, you know, just this stuff, <laughs> this, you know, this, whatever you could consume online that was just kind of your, um, the pornography that's easily accessible and free. I never even paid for it, right? Just the free stuff. And it was, um, it was just, uh, uh, it just escalated in, in so much frequency. It kind of controlled my life. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's really kind of the story. And I think the for the sake of our topic here as a father, the one, one of the things, one of the most powerful things that I did in my recovery initially just starting out was, I was um, I had to I had to make this list of motivating factors. What's motivating me towards getting free and staying free? And the number one motivating factor, probably second to wanting to be a a great husband to my wife and restoring the trust that I lost from my wife from that relationship, was to be the best father to my children and not to have not to be a father that my children would grow up and have to be ashamed of or have to, um, you know, have, have to explain to people what, you know, what's up with your dad. Um, and then, you know, connected to that too was, hey, I don't want my children to ever walk in on me or find something on my computer or, or discover something, you know, with pornography on it because their dad had done it. So, um, yeah, Jonathan, that's kind of the story. I, I hope I covered it well. That is a powerful testimony, just as much a, a testimony of, of deliverance, of God's grace, not only manifested through God, but in your family as well. I think it's a, a very powerful testimony of what God can do. But that kind of gets me to the other side of this. So we're seeing this physical struggle and this physical battle that's going on that's manifesting itself on the physical side. But there's this other side, too, which is the spiritual side. And I'm curious to what's going on there, because there has to be something pretty dark happening there. So what exactly is the role of pornography in the dark side playbook and Satan's playbook? And how is it being used against God and his people? Yeah, great question. Love that. No question about it. That is a deeply spiritual issue that is... um that's going on with us. And um, so I, I, I'll, I kind of take you back to the way I like to talk about it. You know, I believe that in the, in the Garden of Eden, that creation that God created Adam and Eve, he created them for intimacy and for connection. Um, that great line where Adam says, she is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And the two, you know, become one. And that's God's ideal. And 
The power of pornography is that it undermines intimacy. It destroys intimacy. The big, the big lie that the culture believes and, and people want to believe is that pornography somehow enhances intimacy and connection. But that's, that's the spiritual lie. That's the, that's the lie straight out of hell, if you will, is that, that you know, it's, it's, it's akin to the lie that, that, that Satan told Eve that she would not surely die. But in fact, if you consume pornography, your relationships will indeed die. They, they cannot sustain um, what pornography brings into um, a relationship. And so that really is the big play out of the dark side playbook, if you will, is, to, is the deception that somehow you can, you can bring pornography into your relationship and your relationship will get better when in fact it will disintegrate because the other the, the nature of pornography is such that it does not allow you to remain whole it has a um it breaks you apart it has a fragment it does a fragmentation of you so you know in my story my wife would you know when we were together not even intimately but when we were just together in the you know around in the living room in the house she would say that i was there but i wasn't really there because there's a there's a preoccupation uh going on with you when you're when you're hooked on and consuming pornography and i've talked to tons and tons and tons of of people primarily spouses right women uh who are married to someone who's consuming a lot of pornography or a husband uh, a, a guy who's married to someone who's consuming a lot of pornography and the number one thing they'll say is that they're not really here, that they're not present. And so if you're trying to raise children with someone like this, if you're trying to be this family that's together, you're being undermined by pornography. That's the, that's the enemy's big play. He doesn't have to get you to do some awful, terrible thing out there. It's just as if pornography isn't awful and terrible enough, but, but, you just gotta get he's just gotta get you preoccupied with something else to where your attention isn't on that which is most important. And that is it that is building and developing and growing these relationships with the people who we love the most. And so um I always say pornography is an enemy of intimacy and it destroys intimacy and it breaks relationships apart. And it the consumer of pornography, in fact, becomes less of a uh, less present because they're less there's less integrity there they're not they're not whole themselves and so they they don't have a whole lot to bring to a relationship and um, so that that really makes it difficult to grow a marriage that really makes it difficult to um, to enjoy and engage your children and for people to get all of to get you they can't get you because you're not really, you know, whole and you're not really there. Um, so, yeah, that really is the diabolic nature of, of pornography, if you ask me, John. This has been an absolutely powerful, powerful discussion. For the sake of time, we're going to go ahead and continue this discussion in the next episode.